Hi, welcome to the HRD Live podcast. I'm Finn Murphy and I'll be your host. I'm joined today by Jason Fowler, VP HR Director UK and Head of HR Northern and Western Europe at Fujitsu Global. As a senior leader at one of the world's foremost information and communication technology companies, Fujitsu is well placed to observe, experience and drive major changes from digital transformation to building the future of work. In this podcast, Jason covers key trends in HR strategy, ranging from operational processes to engaging staff members. Please note that as this was a remote recording, the audio quality may fluctuate slightly from time to time. Enjoy the podcast. Jason, thanks so much for joining us. Could you outline how data and technology are changing the nature of HR? I think there's two, uh, there's a relationship there's a relationship issue that we've got, to, we've got to talk about here within HR, and that is HR's relationship with technology. Uh, and, and, and by extension, I also mean data. HR and technology and data not always been the best of bedfellows. Uh, and I think HR may have, as a profession, we might have actively sought to sort of distance ourselves, abdicate the responsibility for the detail. We, we might want to be involved, and we definitely, I'm sure, have been involved in selecting the HR system. We might have been persuaded that there are other things that can go alongside that, some exciting apps and what have you. What I see too seldom is HR taking responsibility for the digital strategy, the digital experience. HR has been talking for such a long time now about the employee experience, and it's right to do that. So you frame these a lot of companies use the moments that matter terminology. I uh, yeah, uh, sometimes see that on the um, uh, on insurance brochures, um, but it's it, it 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 is those those events and that experience that the people deal between the employer and employee. It's right that HR is focused on that, but what I think has been underserved and now needs to really come to the fore, based on the experience of this past year, is the digital experience. Because that principally is the way that the employee experience has been shaped over the past year. Before that, it was increasingly so. It's been the catalyst for the acceleration. Catalyst is an acceleration. It's been the catalyst for digital experience becoming employee experience, and that will continue. So I think HR here needs to grasp that responsibility. It may well mean that HR needs to, A, change its level of interest in the topic. It may mean that HR needs to change the competence that exists within the function and bring in capability that may be atypical of an HR function. Data analysts, data scientists, it may mean that you bring in a chief technology officer for HR within the function so that you're working peer-to-peer with the business, with internal IT, with external providers, and you're doing so from a point um, of being well-informed, of understanding the implications of the DX, which extends to the EX, and I think that is absolutely critical for HR to take authoritative responsibility for, rather than at the moment just just keep their element of a uh, of it within the function. In that sense, the CHRO could be akin to a chief data officer. Definitely, because when you think you think about it, HR has probably forever had more data, even when it was filing system, had more data than any other department in the company. You get we have everything, and yet how much productive use have we made of it? And, and by that, I mean, so for example, I've, I'm, I've been um, uh, really pleased with the um, a, a group of people we've brought into my HR function here in the UK. Um, uh, data analysts come from outside of HR in some cases, from inside of HR in others, and, and they have done a brilliant job of joining different bits of data to generate insight 
that has changed the direction of our decision making. And that's easy to say. And, and you think, well, what, what are the examples? Well, who, who's done that? So there's a couple of examples. Firstly, what they have done, they have better informed our business continuity and risk management because they have taken external data on um, infection rates of COVID, hospitalization rates, morbidity rates, and they have combined that with the demographics and the locations of our employees and all that we know about our employees. And they have on an anonymous basis, so nobody's data is compromised. And what that has allowed us to do is understand the risk profile based on certain scenario modeling and the implication for us and for our customers. And that's allowed our business continuity planning to be much more targeted and we think much more effective. Fortunately, we have not yet had to enact those business continuity plans. They've also done some superb work in analyzing at a much more granular level where the attrition occurs within our organization, both in terms of role type, tenure, gender, age, and other demographic aspects. And again, that's given us a, a just immensely valuable level of understanding about what's taking place in our organization that then triggers interventions in terms of management capability. What else in our system of work is affecting that particular team, those particular roles in that particular environment after that particular period of time. So HR getting to understand its own data more effectively could lead to the CHRL becoming the chief data officer. What are the key components of a credible, successful future of work strategy? So my recommendation is to get very practical, but get very urgent. And what that entails, in my view, is is forming not only external input so that you are abreast of all of those points of view as much as you can be, because there are plenty of points of view. I'm offering mine now um, uh, out there. But you can get a sense as to the direction of travel in your market, but look beyond your sector. But I really think it's important that this is HR led, but business owned. So that this doesn't feel as though it's HR taking responsibility for what is an organizational change activity that will shape, I think, the success or not of the organization in the future. I think it also requires engagement with your colleagues, with your employees, so that they feel as though they've got a voice in the changes that they will have to live with and experience in the future. And not only is it valuable for them to feel as though they've got their voice, it's invaluable for you to get that voice it is they that have experienced this it is they that are able to tell you what has worked what has been problematic what changes did you make that didn't work what changes did you make that did work what they would like to keep hold of what really they would like to get rid of and and knowing and understanding that i think is just a brilliant way to co-create with your employees the future way of working that's right for your organization won't be right for everybody nothing ever is but it will be co-creating the future way of working for your organization that suits you, suits your um, colleagues and gives you sort of employee value proposition and EX that's merged with DX that really I think could be market differentiating. Could you detail some of the key risks and opportunities for employee engagement in the time to come? Well, I think a lot of organizations from what I understand uh, had something of a bounce in their engagement scores, certainly early on in the, in the pandemic, we experienced that, a really significant increase in the levels of engagement. I think this was a galvanizing effect of this common adversary that, uh, uh, that, that, that can lead to that. And also many organizations, not all, many organizations 
really stepped up and, come, and, and put their employees first. So that helped. We've been able to sustain it. We run our surveys every six months. We've, we've sustained that increase. But I think the important um, elements of engagement strategy relate to the, re the expectations and the relationship between employee and employer. They have altered and they won't go back. And so this is where I think that an employer should be thinking not solely in terms of engagement, but in terms of what is that overall proposition? What is the DX with the CX? I just think the opportunity for those organizations that do it well is immense. And I think it's not just the opportunity to be a fantastic HR organization or a fantastic employer. I think it's the opportunity to be commercially successful because ultimately the talent that you have, how much you're able to capitalize and, and realize the potential of the talent that you have and how able you are to attract the very best talent to your organization is what can set you apart from the competition. And I think those organizations that really grab hold of this future way of working challenge in such a way as that they can present to the marketplace, come and join us, bring the skills that you have, do purposeful, meaningful work that you can see connects to our organizational strategy. We're going to assess you based on impact. That's going to create opportunity for you to progress your career learn new skills, fulfill your potential. And in amongst all of that, you're going to do so in an environment with a working pattern that allows you to be not only the best you can at work, but the best you can at home and all of the other roles and responsibilities you have in life. Just imagine if you were the organization that was recognized for that in the marketplace, who wouldn't want to work for you? Are leaders moving with the pace of change or looking back to pre-pandemic conditions? I am certain that there is a, uh, for many, a preference, um, a preference to working in a, 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 a relatively traditional way. Now, that is uh, probably because when you weigh it up, we have been not yet a year in the crisis that we're in and the forced changes to the way that we work. And that's a long time. And a year's worth of doing something will create habits that will persist for a while. But most people have been working for many more years than one prior to this pandemic. So the habits that they had built up over that are going to take more than one year's experience to unlearn. We should also be cognizant of the very fact that most of us will be very eager to not be working at home for a period of time as soon as we're allowed not to. There will be a, a, a like the dam will burst and people will want to spend time with each other. We want to be in the office. We'll want a change of scenery. You know, at, at our core, we're still a, a social species. So we will want to reconnect face to face with people that we haven't seen for over a year. So we've got to be aware of those natural reactions to circumstance. But I do think within all of that, there will be very many leaders, particularly, who will think as a leader, my role is to lead, that's to lead the people, that's the people I need to see and be around and they need to see and be around me. And there will be a desire um, to, to want to revert back. And that's where I come back to my point before. Whatever plans that you make, unless your senior leaders are visibly seen, uh, paradoxically visibly seen, to not always be in the office and to be living um, and embodying the principles that you describe and aim for, then it'll, it'll be for the birds. How will workplaces change as new generations enter the workforce? 
Yeah, well, we thought a lot about that, and I'm always a little wary about attributing uh, certain characteristics to you know, a, 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 a just a very broad demographic. Um, you know, and so so I'm, I'm I realise there may be there may be general trends, there may be um, norms that uh, become formed through different generations. That that, of course, I think is pretty reasonable to accept. But I, I'm I'm still always a little doubtful that the, the differences are quite as extreme as uh, sometimes we anticipate. So with that in mind, what I really think is important for an organization to address is the need to provide something that people can draw purpose from. It's not the case for everybody. It's not the case for all organizations, but I think in the majority now, the emerging theme is to provide purposeful work. Now, it can't be tenuous. There's no point, I think, describing yourself as an organization that wants to improve society, change the world, if all that you do is completely contrary to that. There can't be dissonance between the, the, um, the, the organizational purpose and the reality. But if you can provide environments in which people can do purposeful work and can construe personal purpose, it matters. It doesn't matter because I'm worried about what my superior, my manager might rate me as it matters because what we do matters what we do is important now you can do that in a commercial context in a capitalist context there isn't it's not only third sector or altruistic uh, uh, careers that they uh, provide for that but construing purpose and and feeling as though this matters alongside that sense of i am someone is interested in me as an individual and there is opportunity here for me to fulfill my potential. Now, my my desire in my career, my level of potential might be much lower than yours, for example. But knowing that if we were working in the same organization, that each had a path to, to sort of realize that potential, I think would be sufficient. It doesn't need to be the same. It just needs to be um, uh, there uh, uh, matched to our own expectations. Thanks so much for your time, Jason, and for listening today. To stay up to date with content posted by HRD Connect, make sure to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.